0: Hello, everybody. Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. Today, HFL 86 with Jeff Nelson, horn player mostly known for his involvement with Canadian brass, but also very widely known uh, for his fearless workshops. I sat down with Jeff this past July for an interview. I think you're really going to enjoy some of the stories he's going to share with you today. Just a quick shout out to my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for your support. And those not only include my co-sponsors, but that includes all the people at the first, second, and third tiers. You guys contribute just as much to the success of this show, and it's greatly appreciated. If you would like to become a subscriber, a supporter via Patreon, you can check that out at patreon.com slash studio HFL. There are four tiers from which to choose, and uh, you can find the one that fits your budget, and your support would be greatly appreciated. I'd appreciate it if you also could visit Apple Podcast and leave a rating and a review. And if you haven't visited the new YouTube channel, I've got 81 subscribers as of today, but it would be great to get to 100. At that point, I can get a custom URL for that channel. Show notes for this interview and others can be found on the Studio HFL blog. That's studiohfl.com slash blog. So that does it for the pregame warm-up. I'm going to send you now to Aaron Rahm to get us into
1: today's program. Take it away, Aaron. Continued interviews from Studio HFL are made possible through the support of Messina Covers, Eastman Music Company, Pickett Blackburn, S.E. Shires, and through the generosity of Patreon subscribers. Trumpet players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other brass instrumentalists. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to crazy color schemes, Let's not forget about options for mouthpiece pouches, or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. If you're looking for excellence in trumpets, trombones, horns, and tubas, you need look no further than the Eastman Music Company and S.E. Shires. Eastman offers a complete line of brass instruments, from the beginner all the way up to the professional. And you know they're invested in creating a quality product when the legendary Doc Severinsen helped design Eastman's beginner trumpet model. You can find more information about the Eastman Music Company at eastmanwinds.com, and you can learn more about the S.E. Shires line of instruments at seshires.com. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. If you haven't had a chance to try any mouthpieces available through Pickett, you can check them out online at pickettblackburn.com. And on the Blackburn side of Pickett Blackburn, it would be worth your while to check out their incredible line of trumpets endorsed by such great musicians as Vince DiMartino. Be sure to check them out at pickettblackburn.com. And that's Pickett with two T's. And before today's interview, just a reminder that you too can be a financial supporter for this podcast by subscribing at patreon.com/studiohfl. That's p a t r e o n.com/studiohfl. There are four tiers of support and you can choose the one that best fits your budget. Your support will help offset the cost of production for this podcast and would be greatly appreciated please consider becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studio HFL. And now, on to today's interview with your host, Larry Powell.
0: Jeff Nelson, welcome to my podcast, Studio HFL. I'm glad you're here. Having me, yeah. So, being a non-trumpet player, do you know what the HFL might stand for?
2: Yeah, that's it's, it's an acronym. And it uh, you take the first letters, each word—it's something about horn. I—I I hear horn, fantastically. Yeah, that's it.
0: That's it. I—I I thought this up two years ago in anticipation that I would interview you
2: and you would nail it. And sure. there you are. Are there many more questions? I'm not ready to. Yeah, we're we're on. done.
0: You know, this has been a real treat. <laughs>
2: yeah, this, this is great.
0: Yeah, I've Got what I needed. Help. <laughs> Roll credits, as one of my kids would say.
2: Yeah.
0: What is it? Oh, uh, roll, roll credits. credits. Yeah, nice. We'll start a movie and, you know, they'll finish the first action, action scene. And my 10 year old goes, Roll credits. I mean, it's every, hilarious. Every Bond movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I talked to Gene Watts about an hour ago. Uh, Brandon uh, and I messaged back and forth. He said he just finished an interview with you or, or right. something with you. And, uh, what else? Uh, I got Joe Bergstahler in a couple of weeks. I mean, Ronnie and I have become good friends. Aaron, Rom. Uh, it's like, but today, three, three Canadian brass people. It's officially a Canadian brass day here. Yeah,
2: wow. We're attacking so, you.
0: Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's better than being attacked by something else. That's true. <laughs> so, um, man, I just, I have got this flood of silly questions that just came to me. Is it true that you are all left-handed?
2: No, no. no. Whenever I injure a hand or wrist or sh- shoulder or anything, I go, oh, crap. Oh, no, it's just my right. I'm right-handed, but I'm like always relieved when it's my right arm that I've injured. See, Whoa. See that.
0: So I got to turn my notifications off. Brandon just messaged me again. Oh, nice. So we're trying to work out a date. Uh, not a date. We're trying to work out a, was, a day asked, and time. Then I stopped myself from asking. <laughs> here's where I usually start my interviews. Um, what the heck is going on with you these days? Because these, these are certainly different times, right?
2: Right, yeah. Uh,
0: how are you navigating through all of this?
2: Yeah, I think setting up little projects, and then some projects get set up on their own through Canadian Brass, and we're being invited to do different types of things, our own videos or educational initiatives. We're putting a Patreon together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that fills our time with little projects and video projects, and figuring out the technology for that, I actually just texted Brandon to stop talking you to you, and he wrote back, "Can I schedule a time with him through you? Do you mind?"
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go ahead.
2: <laughs> how's next? How's tomorrow or right now? Actually, if we...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that would call. that would be
2: great. Right now is the name of our 50th anniversary tour with Canadian Brass, and we did a lot of it before we came home. Uh, we were in Japan in January and. Mm-hmm. A lot of our audiences were three quarters wearing masks. And and we started elbow bumping instead of shaking hands after concerts Mm -hmm. and had no idea where it was going. But uh, yeah, we based it on Canadian Brass right now, 50 years. Mm -hmm. And Brandon, right now, did an awesome arrangement of a song by a band called Dirty Projectors called Right Now. And so that's, that's the latest project we're doing now. We're doing okay. the video and the recording to that tune. It's really great. I'm going to
0: really have to check. Uh, the, the
2: band's name is Dirty Projectors? Dirty Projectors? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Never heard of them. What, yeah. what, what, what genre is that?
2: Yeah. You know, like um, New York, uh, what, a hipster kind of. Is it
0: like Panic at the Disco kind of stuff?
2: or? No, I don't think it's that, raw, that energetic. Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit more, you know, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros.
0: No, but I'm sure kind of, it's an attractive group.
2: Folk, yes. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. My brother-in-law's in the band, actually, but there's a yeah. couple of tunes you know of, of that band. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, grungy, folk, yeah, okay. rock, funk, coral, brass, and now brass, yeah.
0: Was Brandon the one, you know, here we are interviewing you and now we're going to talk about
2: every, right. everybody. Right. i used to it. It's, okay. it's like, <laughs> like listening to a brass quintet, Holy trumpet <laughs> playing
0: the melodies. Yeah. Uh, okay but i'm I'm just curious uh was brand the one that brandon the one that did the bad arang- bad romance a romantic
2: arrangement of <laughs> yes uh as far as I remember yes
0: that was brilliant there. yeah so yeah. I can see where he's gonna you know he's got some different sounds maybe in mind for uh for that sort of thing Very he's cool. a sound
2: sculptor for sure yeah, yeah. I to i mean all the guys in the band listen to so much different rep i get i get such great musical. Uh, band recommendations of music mm-hmm. to check out from them mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so okay so the tour comes
0: to a screeching halt just like everything else right you guys were did you say you were in japan when in japan in, to...
2: in january oh, okay in january february yeah 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 and it was it was just we just started talking about it and hearing about it but we were on our way home at that point mm-hmm um, and they were already everyone wearing masks and, you know, taking care of it. Wow. Yeah. Um,
0: now, I, I have seen you guys have been really busy, just like you're saying. I mean, you, you've you held all kinds of like online masterclasses, both as a group. And I've seen a bunch of individually done uh, projects. Um, it's smart, right? Because out of sight, out of mind. So mm-hmm. this this brilliant marketing, I think, to, to stay out there and Uh, you know relevant might be a good
2: word but to be
0: seen right
2: yeah and we i mean the bone for me and for i think for the band the marketing's a bonus result of getting out there and 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 uh go now that the more and more opportunities online and we're all at home and we have access to the technology or if not we're figuring it out Mm-hmm. I think those things are coming together, and more everyone else is more at home as well, so there's more people to watch the online mm-hmm. events, and we just really wanted to get share and we you know the people we can trick into coming on our show has been pretty fun you know. <laughs> did you say you
0: trick into <laughs> I would never I would yeah, never. so um yeah, you guys do a little bit f- a different format when you have a guest uh, because it's more than just the two of you um I, I don't know what I would do if I had to share the share the stage with <laughs> with anybody on this end. It's a different dance
2: for sure. And Brandon and I just did an interview with one person, uh, and it was for the Stillwater, Oklahoma, something mm. center. Shoot, we just did it today, that they have an orange plate special live event for their patrons, mm-hmm. um, and so and even moderating moderating that, and Brandon and I trying to take turns, but every so mm. often he asks the same person, the next question and then we're, we're like, oh no, how do we know who's going next and all that. It's a, just a, it's a dance and you gotta be energetic to get in there and yeah. share an idea and then not pile on to all the ideas after the fact. Yeah. Because we all have ideas for each thing so we'd have five answers for every question.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. And, yeah. and one person wants to go one direction, one then wants to go the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I have a lot of respect for uh, uh, uh brass junkies andrew hits mm-hmm. and uh Drake
2: that was a joke Wilson. right you're kidding right what do you, you mean respect like in a good way those guys um I, I can now. i
0: can overdub that word in post <laughs> yeah right i'll i'll put something which they sympathy, do actually quite a symp- bit
2: sympathy for them poor yeah. guys lance yeah. and andy bless your heart yeah
0: <laughs> so um yes thank you lance leduc i had forgotten yeah. uh his name but um you know they have such a great rapport yeah and uh they make it they make it fun yeah they're they're actually the ones
2: who yeah yeah
0: they they inspired me to do to do this cool so here you are in bloomington pretty much uh or should i give away where you where you are i mean i don't know know, eh? people are going to flood your house now with the
2: it's ready no i have to let my house in bloomington while i'm here in toronto with my mother yeah Yeah, Yeah. born born in edmond near edmonton alberta and uh I don't know if I should mention the trumpet player that I grew up with, uh, and it's finger quotes grew up because it was end but he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he took he, another Canadian brass trumpet player, and he took uh, my one sister to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the other sister to her high school graduation. So I say he uh, dated both my sisters unsuccessfully. Thank God. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> could you imagine having him as a brother-in-law? Uh, no, it's crazy enough having him as a big brother
0: yeah so and i just heard that you're david ohanian's brother-in-law right I yes yeah i mean that just that just kind of blew my mind i mean it's you know small world kind of kind of stuff
2: yeah i say i say i gave him my sister and he gave me his job Uh, (laughs) i miss her but it was a good trade it was a good
0: trade oh my gosh that's hilarious yeah Uh, um Yeah, I I tell you, I don't know if if he's completely retired. You know, he's somebody else I would love to talk to. Yeah, that's one of my
2: favorite. I mean, he'd do the interview for sure. And he he always says, you know, I have nothing to share. And then three hours later, he's still sharing amazing stories. But I have a great story, if you don't mind, about how he talked about not playing anymore. People ask if he's playing anymore, and the answer is no. But the way the way he did it, I like telling this story. That we're mm-hmm. sitting in Bloomington in in between Christmas and New Year's, sort of sitting on my back deck in parkas with uh, mittens and cigars, and we're freezing, but we're having cigars and we're talking. And I go, so you know, do you play anymore? And he was like, you know. We did that Brickner 7 with Boston. He and I both played extra on this Brickner 7 in the summer mm-hmm. long ago. And he's like, I, we did that Brickner 7. And then I put my horn down in the corner and I said, I'll come for you if, when you call loudly enough. Wow. And it never called. <sighs> and he smiled and took another puff. And we went on to talk about his model planes and trains and all the other things he's into. Wow. Yeah, he just.
0: That's. Can you imagine that, though? I mean, it, can you imagine at this point of your career, putting the horn in a case and walking away? Well, the hard thing
2: I'm guessing is he would he would be booked for one Glier concerto every other month or whatever. So I, I talk. You know, I look a lot into Frito's performance. So I act. I pretty much act out of fear. And if I don't have <laughs> the daily fear of a concert coming up soon i haven't practiced i mean i wouldn't practice uh much so i think that's probably the hard thing is or maybe every six months he was playing I was standing out there and playing glier and to get to the level that he's been living at without playing daily or performing weekly i don't know that would be just hours and hours a day for one concert mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in months and months that's what i'm trying to transcend, and why we're doing recordings and all these other smaller projects. So I keep practicing, and right. have that good fear. <laughs> you know, it's,
0: it's interesting to think of it that way because you know, concert pianists and violinists or string players, that's that's what they do, right? I mean, they just yeah. sit and practice all day long, but boy, when you start to think about it as a brass player, it's like, who would want to do that? <laughs> you yeah. know, Who would want to spend that much time on you know i'm sure they've got a repertoire of Rachmaninoff and Liszt and Chopin and that sort of right. thing but so well um so that that makes me curious now as a soloist i mean of course everybody knows you as a as a chamber musician Canadian brass um what about the solo side of things
2: yeah it definitely when i came back to the group a couple years ago uh, I'm now in my 13th or 14th year at I, at Indiana University as well, mm-hmm. right, right next to you. And um, So that's the full-time job. And then I was doing a lot, quite a bit of first performance lecturing and teaching and then playing some concerti and, other, and going to some chamber music festivals and then playing extra in some pretty mm-hmm. good bands when they were doing Bruckner and Mahler. So, that, so the concerti and the symphonic shows and other chamber music stuff have kind of fallen to the side so that i could so i had enough room to rejoin canadian brass that was a big mm-hmm. discussion and decision with my wife and i and we have mm-hmm. two kids mm-hmm. so that the priorities have that the canadian brass has replaced all that really mm-hmm. fun playing for the most part and i basically was just doing the concerti that came to me i never had an agent or anything so i would, mm-hmm. I would go out and do things yeah, when they came to me, I, so I didn't really have to stop that. I just wasn't pursuing it yet.
0: Well, and you, I'm thinking about your personality, you know, as a soloist versus what you're able to do with the group, mm-hmm. right? I mean, certainly you could you could tear down that fourth wall as a soloist, but the way you shape your personality with Canadian brass, which I have to ask is something I uh, remember Ronnie telling me. Uh, but the way you shape your personality seems like it's a, a much better suited outlet for you. Is that a fair statement?
2: Yeah, I strongly agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I my first gig's five years full-time fourth Horn. I like being a part of a bigger thing. <laughs> uh, and I went from fourth Horn to Canadian Brass and it was baptism of fire, but mm-hmm. I was really figuring it out as I went, but I, I don't want all the attention. I don't need to play concerti I don't feel a need to play concerti right Um, and if I do I you know just very much crowbar my mind into serving (laughs) the music and the horn and the audience and all these things other than yeah I don't you know I don't want all that attention when I played first time I remember playing unaccompanied Bach cello suite on the horn I lost my mind uh, way too much energy I wasn't prepared for that and I don't know how to turn this, these notifications <laughs> that's, off. <laughs> that's okay.
0: That's okay. It's going to make people uh, listening to this later on think that there's, they're, they're all going to look around for That's for right. That too. Oh no, text.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, but yeah, uh, I love so, it. It's just such a, uh, I love that study. Marty Hackleman, who I played mm-hmm. a few years with, I put forth to him in Vancouver Symphony. So mm-hmm. we we go way back as well. Uh, but he said that, or maybe it was David, actually, I need to find this out, that the horn roll in the quintet is really kind of mm-hmm. hiding in the weeds and supporting supporting role, the bridge between trumpets and then the low brass, and we get right. to play all those different roles and the romantic role, but then you wait in the weeds and then you leap out with your moments, and then you come back and looking around, and I love that, the study of that and the opportunity right. seizing. Um, and then, you know, in general music, there's no... There's no background really. It's all there's still five solo voices and yeah. so that that was fulfilling. I also when I left Canyon Brass, my wife we got pregnant and my wife got pregnant and uh, left for family reasons and then I went and played on Broadway for a year and it was eight shows a week in the pit of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Um, and that's oh my gosh, week. that, that for was an nice Say what for,
0: I was gonna say for all the tunes. I love that musical, but I mean, there's like every tune is an earworm, right? Yeah. <laughs> <You> could... <laughs> <laughs> totally.
2: Yeah. Yeah, with Joe Burgstall, actually, we both we sat next to oh, each fine. other and laughed a lot. But it was a change for how important I was to the audience and what, you know, what I felt mattered. And yet, it wasn't that much of an adjustment, because I still was trying to play that perfect show and knowing I never would. Mm-hmm. And eight shows a week, it was still that, I guess, the intrinsic study of doing as well as I could. And figuring it out. But then the horn roll and the context was way different. And then when I came back to Canyon Brass again, it's just, I love that. That's a nicely balanced outlet and opportunity for me, I think, chamber music and brass. Well,
0: and, and the writing is yeah. spectacular, right? Yeah. I mean, you talk about waiting in the weeds, but it's like you don't wait very long if you're in the weeds. I yeah. mean, it's. Um, and I don't know why, but uh, horn smoke just popped back into my head. Of course, I know that you guys probably still don't have that as your in your repertoire, do you?
2: Not right now, no, oh, no. okay, yeah.
0: but somewhere, sometime. okay, I want to go back yeah. to I mentioned Ronnie had told me that everything you saw on stage was rehearsed. Is that still the case?
2: I mean, to to a certain level, for sure, for sure. yeah, we've re- I mean rehearsed all the music and well, sure. and the speaking at times, but there's, there's some, there's definitely some room for like backstage, backstage, you never know what, what encores we're doing. So when we come back and, and I've kind of never understood that, I've kind of thought, well, why don't we lock it in? So we know, cause we're always like, should we do this? I don't know, should we do this? I don't know. And then the four of us stand there while whoever's at the mic talks and we still don't know what we're about to play. That's really good though. That's really good for a performer to be able to stand there and smile. Great. And go, and then as you as it becomes evident what we're playing, you can see us go. Oh, and then we start setting up the chairs or doing whatever. <laughs> you know, that's really healthy. It's really good, but yeah, to a degree, it's been rehearsed. The people speaking, for the most part, well, especially if we're on a tour and doing similar rep. But mm-hmm. the program is pr- still changes a lot, and we have a. T- I think when I left the group the first time, I had a hundred pieces memorized, like counting all the movements and yeah, and all that stuff um so and when i came back there was a few like i think i know that one i think i know that we were doing a recording uh my first i think first couple of weeks back a couple of years ago and we recorded a bunch of stuff and we got through it faster than we had planned so we were like hey you want to record this and they're like okay mm-hmm. and then uh what else and i kind of at one point went maybe summertime Gershwin." i don't know <laughs> if i still remember it and we did that by, i didn't have the part and we did that by memory um <laughs> Yeah, so there's there's it's a mix of, but not a lot of improvising. I think there was a moment when Joe Berckstaller, coming from playing in Meridian Brass, you know, and he mm-hmm. knows a lot of jazz, and you're going to have him on, that he would have an improvised solo in um, either a Gershwin tune or in, mm-hmm. in one one moment along the way. But our mm-hmm. approach is this masterpiece approach where we want to get the greatest version of. Of what it is, and you know Luther Henderson, who did you know yeah, 150 brilliant. of our arrangements. He was the arranger, right? And he did that for Duke Ellington as well. Mm-hmm. Where Duke Ellington said, "You, you know, you're not going to tell my guys what to play, you know." But I really want to be told <laughs> <laughs> what to play as a French horn player. Yeah. So I'm, we're still trying to, you know, get the notes that are on the page and the ones that fit really well. Then played the best way too, and that's enough study. I think that's mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. So priorities. have
0: have you arranged? or written anything original for the group?
2: I arranged to um, be here on the Zoom meeting at the right time. Yeah, I'm kind of that, I arranged that. Got yeah. it. New. No. no.
0: That's, you know, I mean, that's, uh, I, I've dabbled a little bit in that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, so I will use the word respect. I respect those people who have that talent, that skill, to be able to. Yeah. To yeah. And
2: no, I mean, it just, it, it's such a steep learning curve, I think, that for me to, to become even an ex- half an acceptable arranger would take so much time out of my time I could spend practicing mm-hmm. or learning a magic trick or hanging with my family or and then teaching or yeah you know. mm-hmm. so I, yeah I put my efforts into it and I'm still learning how to use a microphone and a video camera <laughs> <laughs> you're doing pretty well so far thank you
0: yeah that's great uh, I'm not going to let that slide. You said magic trick. Were you alluding to, uh, uh, are you somewhere, somewhat of an illusionist?
2: I I will allude that question wait, el- elusively. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm an amateur magician. I'm a magician member of the uh, Magic Castle, actually. <laughs> the Academy of the Illusionary Arts. In, yeah. yeah,
0: is that a, uh, are you an Arrested Development fan?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it all, but I know that that's yeah. um, that just right. the magic, right. amazing. <laughs> that. yeah. So, um,
0: wow. See, that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff I'm after in, in this, uh, and, and this kind of stuff that, you know, um, uh, you're, that'll keep you from running for public office. That's the other kind of stuff that I'm interested in
2: writing <laughs> right. out most definitely.
0: But, yeah. Uh, so you take time off, uh, for family the first time, what was uh, the dis- distance, uh, it's not the right word, uh, how much time Meta- between going back to Kenny and Brass?
2: Right. There, I joined in 2000, about two months after Ryan Anthony joined, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was there for five years, and then met a girl and wanted to get married and, get, and try and not tour all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I left the group for, uh, sorry, 2005 to 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, and into and then i played that broadway show for a year and then i got the iu gig Um, Mm -hmm. and my wife was going to study at the opera school in philadelphia the uh -hmm. vocal ava academy of vocal arts Mm -hmm. and so i was and then in 2007 the horn player was was leaving i think bernard Mm -hmm. had got st chamber orchestra or something and he was leaving so i came back for a few concerts and then looked at my schedule and when i think i could maybe do this mm-hmm. so i was there for 2007 2010 mm-hmm. and then we got we were having a child so i left from 2010 till about two years ago 2018. Mm-hmm. so on and off for this is probably my 11th year in the group but over the last 20 years yeah yeah
0: so um it's not a tenure track position with with them, right? I guess, I don't know. I mean, yeah, this is I mean, your, how many interviews? How many auditions are they going to make you do before you they right. give you the gig full time?
2: Right. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm waiting to find out. Right. right. <laughs> but I did the audition actually in '98, uh, and I was runner up actually. And I like telling people about all the auditions that I didn't win. Um, and uh, Chris Cooper got it. He was in Empire Brass at the time, and then two years later. A change was happening and then Chuck just called and offered me the position at that point so and each wow. time since <laughs> that's how <Yeah>. it's happened <laughs> yeah yeah
0: um let's talk about IU just a little bit um had you taught at another university prior to coming to IU
2: I had been adjunct faculty at um, first gig was Winnipeg so I taught in Winnipeg for that year and then Montreal Symphony I was back teaching at McGill where I had gone to school I won a fourth one-year one contract there, so I taught at McGill University, and the uh, and then Vancouver for three years. I taught at the uh, University of British Columbia, and mm-hmm. Douglas College, and a bunch of other... So wherever I was in the orchestra, I was adjunct faculty mm-hmm. there. Uh, was just And then I did a bunch of music festivals, um, teaching at the Music Academy of the West when King mm-hmm. Bass was there, and then did some of the orchestral weeks as well, and, and, mm-hmm. and then all over the world
1: with Kenny Brass, all the masterclasses. Well, here we are in the middle of today's interview. Just a reminder that support for this podcast comes from Messina Covers, who has you covered, literally, for all of your custom case needs. The Eastman Music Company, providing excellence from the professional model to the beginner model. And of course, Pickett Blackburn, providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets. Now, back to the interview.
0: Uh, IU, of course, fantastic music school. You've got some great colleagues down there. Um, It it always amazes me uh, to see people like Joey, you know, go out on the road for a while. I mean, obviously you get, uh, I don't know if it's dispensation or, you know, whatever to go (laughs) out on the road for a while. Um, I mean, the university obviously values, look who we have on faculty. I mean, it, it would be almost impossible for them to say, "You have to be here full time," right? I mean, it, because of I don't what know. You're- I
2: don't think that's a concern, but I'm going to tell everybody now that Joey goes on the road. Ha <laughs> ha! Joey's in trouble. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always have to get Joey uh, a Mr. Big chocolate bar from Canada when I'm here. I'd sneak it into his mailbox. Never forget it back.
0: Okay, that must be a regional thing. I I've, I don't know what that is. Right
2: yeah they're amazing I'll get you one (laughs)
0: okay okay (laughs) are you gonna have to smuggle it in or yes I am I drove
2: so I can I can hide them somewhere (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. I don't know I mean the it's not really the question that comes up is whether we're allowed or not whether I mean I mean it does come up and we Mm -hmm. we talk about it when we're being hired but it is always said that that if if the students were happy then the administration is happy and that we're, we we have to take care of our students and their managed expectations. And then if there is, that that's such a big job that you really <laughs> wouldn't be on the road a lot <laughs> or more too. My young <laughs> Canadian brass ended up being more than I uh, predicted. The, when I came back two years ago, the, mm-hmm. the schedule got even more busy. So there was mm-hmm. some. Um, calibrating there that I had to figure out. Everyone's getting their lessons, but there's usually there's only one time where I was away a whole week, and mm-hmm. then it yeah. somehow happened that I was away the first week of school in the same semester where I was away at the end of the anyway. Um, yeah. That had never happened before during all that, so it's some balancing, but it's keeping all the students able to get weekly lessons and then not doing it online until mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, and balancing it, and, and getting out there, and, and the other, i mean—the greatest thing is that the best teacher is teaching. So if we're out there performing, we're learning and bringing that back to our students. And then when I'm if I'm teaching online, that comes back. It's 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 encouraged for that reason for us yeah. to involve ourselves. Yeah,
0: and see, I, I see there's such value in that because it shows that you're active, in you know, and, and not to criticize. Well, I will, you know, those professors. Well, let's call them psychology professors who stand there with their yellow notes, you know, and uh, who've been there for 30 years and And only uh, that. Yeah. And, and yeah. only that. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah, we got to yeah. walk our talk. It's great. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, how big's your studio down there?
2: I have usually around
0: 17, 18. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. I mean, okay, so it's you, Rick Serafinoff and who else? Some guy, I can't, never remember
2: his name. Yeah,
0: I used to be with uh, one of the, it was a Chicago. Yeah, or, Don
2: Clevenger or Jimmy uh, Clevenger. Doug. Doug, Dale, something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, Don. Yeah, I think, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, of course, Dale Clevenger. I knew yeah. that, of course. Um, and, uh, oh, uh, Rick Serafinoff. I don't know if you can see it, but in the background here, um, I went and did one of his natural trumpet workshops back in yeah, 2003 beautiful. and uh walked out of that week with a functional uh natural trumpet what a oh. what a hoot to do that yeah you know? yeah isn't it
2: amazing yeah. yeah
0: but i mean just the process you know beating the crap out of uh brass on an anvil yeah, yeah. You know? and then uh just like they used to do it in the old days you know yeah. and then you get in, in your car and go home right yeah <laughs> um so, yeah, I mean, you've got great colleagues, obviously, uh, with that. So, thinking about Rick, though, do you do any natural trumpet? Have you delved into that? No natural horn, you mean? Uh, sorry. Yeah. See, yeah. that's just... Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, it's cool. I, I would I'm say not... I'll edit that out, but I won't. I'm going right. to leave, no way. leave oh, that good. one it's in. Good, it's what comes
2: naturally <laughs> to all of us. There, when I first got to IU in 2006, the First thing I did was order a natural horn from him, and I've had it ever since, and I just I have this list of things I wanna to get to, and I have not dove into doing natural horn. I had a couple mm-hmm. lessons with him at one point, but I still, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still on my list. <laughs> uh, I, I love the world of uh, natural
0: trumpet, natural horn, but holy cow, it's like walking a, I mean, especially in horn, it's not like you're already walking a tight wire right you know and then you take the valves away and it's like you know there there goes your safety net
2: yeah yep uh, that's an impressive thing
0: but beautiful sounds you know i I hear some spectacular playing Uh, and the
2: sound i think the sound sculpting is super useful for the idea and our intention in our minds plus the balancing well you can't I mean, you can overblow a natural trumpet or horn and a, sure. and a modern trumpet or horn. But if you overblow the natural instruments, the sound gets way worse, way easier and way quicker. Yeah. So it's really good for balancing that notion of moving sound instead of blowing the crap out of it. Or blow, mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. yeah, I love that aspect. I mean, I guess I have played a little bit.
0: It sounds like, I mean, you said that the germ of this started way back, a long time ago. Have, yeah. what kind of uh, things did you do? Did you seek out? I mean, did you, did you go to the mountaintop to talk to, you know, the, the guru up there? Or did you, uh, Mecca? I mean, what did you do to develop this idea that, and, and create what you've done with
2: Fearless? Right. Yeah. It was a lot of walking on stage optimistic and walking off stage disappointed. Uh, and, but it, and it first started sorry you first mentioned you know how long you know it started long ago and it started i was single until i was 35 so just meeting girls was my fearful performance at first and i'd get into trying to impress them or be funny or be liked by them it wasn't until i was 35 and stopping meeting people (laughs) as a single person that i realized like why can't i why don't you go up to that person and say hi who are you like and and be asking Let's see if this discussion goes anywhere without that, like me, like me, like me, you know, be funny kind of thing was my habit. And I think it was the same on horn and same in musical performance that we go out there to be liked and to the definitions of success are, are yeah. not autonomous. We put our definitions of success and our ability to succeed in other people's hands. If, if, you know, if we can hear from them that I did well, then I did well. So that was some of the stuff I was noticing about myself. Uh, and early on, I remember I played a lot of basketball on the, I grew up on a pig farm, 10 miles north mm-hmm. of Edmonton, and I could shoot free throws really well. Uh, and then I made the basketball team and I drew the foul in the first public game and I'm ready to shoot my first th- free throw. And uh, Laura Kalinowski, I remember, was watching the game, and of course, so I had to do my three <laughs> cool bounces and then I went to shoot the free throw. And I did it, and the ball barely made it halfway to the hoop. <laughs> just, my arm turned into jello, and that's 100% mental, right? That was nothing changed. It was me, a basketball, a, a hoop, a 10-foot hoop, same distance, but oh, it's really wild. So i just been obsessed with figuring out how to stay the best version of me, regardless of what changes around me. Mm-hmm. So that's been the development, uh, and it's been yeah, a lot of missing a lot more notes than I normally would. But, beginning of those lectures and camps and things, I ask everybody, have you ever perform, uh, prepared something to a certain level and walk out on stage to perform it and have it go not quite as well? All the time. <laughs> yeah, every, exactly, yep, everybody. Um, so what you've experienced is what I call the quality gap. it's the difference between what you can do and what you actually do live, wherever, wherever there is a quality gap. And then we can measure it whether it's per note, per phrase, per movement, per concert, per week, per year, (laughs) how much that is. You know, that's all up to us. And so we're working with that and trying to reduce the the space between. And then there's also the other, the different types of bests. There's what you think your best is, what reality best is, and anyway, all this mental stuff. It's been really great unpacking it, labeling it, and then knowing how to, to replace fear with better reasons why.
0: I want to go back to that statement you made a couple of minutes ago about, uh, you know, we put our success in other people's hands. What other profession does that? Does an accountant look at, you know, their client? Does a lawyer look at their client for approval? You know what I mean? It's like, right. it's it's a, is this unique to performers?
2: Well, I think there's two aspects. Again, watching The Last Dance with Jordan, you know, he was really affected by the outside world at times, regardless of what the scoreboard showed. So there's two ways of doing that. And I think with musicians too, you listen to the recording, that can be the definition of success if you stay objective, mm-hmm. or you or you see what other people think, and if you won the audition, or those results that happen after the fact that are decided by others. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I hear you, I think, yeah, I'm trying to think about, it. it's a great question, uh, what other because it's, it's also there's the emotional factor of how you feel about how you did. Even if you won the game, you could feel horrible and da-da-da-da, all those well, complications. But you're talking about the design of success. It's well,
0: not, yeah, and, and I'm thinking, too, um, are you an NFL fan? Do you follow the Colts or anybody? Uh, not or, a lot. Okay. Uh, but um, place kickers, field goal kickers, right? Uh, Adam Vinatieri used to play for the Patriots. Now he's with the Colts. But I look at him, it's somebody like a trumpet player, horn player who walks out on stage in front of, although they walk out in front of millions of people, and has to be solely focused, tuning everything around. Uh, Laura, what's her name, is not sitting, you know, the, the one that distracted you from the free throw. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, thank you, thank you, uh, is not there. Um, and they're able to, to go through this and execute the skill the talent that they have regardless of well I think regardless but you know maybe there is a lot of turmoil going on up there but uh, so I've gotten in touch with agents sports agents because I see the parallel between you know even NFL quarterbacks these people who have to say stay so poised in their performance of their job you know parallels between what they do and what we do as performers Identical. Exactly.
2: The same. Oh, I, I'm so
0: glad to hear you yeah. say that because yeah. I kind of wondered if I was if I was dreaming that up and I think yeah. I would love to get the perspective of one of those major players like a Michael Jordan and say how did you do this how did you prepare yourself you know and I, I wonder if you sat down with them yourself if you could immediately start drawing all those parallels
2: mm-hmm. with that. I think we all could I think performance is performance it's pretty you know you you build the skill and learn the technical aspects, and then you have a moment where your preparation uh, stops but and your performance begins and then you're out there executing on what you're doing and It's identical in sports in music mm-hmm. in magic as well you get and you try and transcend the <laughs> techniques so you can either do a trick and make right. something disappear or you tell the story of how the world needed this extra tree to grow in the cemetery of whatever mm-hmm. and the store, and that story and that's the same i think for basketball as well the flow and the, and all that magic of how you can see everything anyway mm-hmm. identical yeah for sure yeah so i'm i'm looking forward to hearing you know i
0: i may never hear from an agent you know
2: that, that's but, great you're, you're but it's worth that sure. yeah
0: but it's worth it's worth trying I and mean, yeah it's... i've worked
2: with quite a few athletes as well on one uh guy my the man that built my house ended up winning the bloomington city golf tournament and he's a mm. high level golfer uh, and i have these towels that are that say learn love well let go fearless performance and he's using that to wipe the, the as his golf ball rag or whatever and we talked mm-hmm. about basically what i was always interested in and i've golfed a little bit but you look at where the ball is where the t is and you go oh okay gotta put the ball in the hole okay good and i hit from here okay and then i swing no emotional things or anything, right? Mm-hmm. Now the ball lands and I walk up to it and now I can be like, oh jeez, I gotta do this. You know, and we open ourselves up by choice to having all these emotional assessments because I did this to myself or whatever that crap is. And you, we don't need to. The job hasn't changed, put the ball in the hole. If you have to lay up, lay up. You don't have to be pissed mm-hmm. about it. You're better and you're a better version of yourself if you stay calm and just go, okay, the job is still ball in the hole, okay? And then you can at least use as much of your brain as possible on the things you need to end right. up doing your best. Right, that's identical. And he ended up winning the tournament with just going every shot's my only shot, you know, and every excerpt is my the only excerpt, every, you know, all that. And then con- yeah. contextually they're not, but at least as far as approach, you know, Phil Myers, the former first horn in the New York Philharmonic, mm-hmm. just casually said at lunch one day, he says, "Yeah, I don't go out there to play my best anymore. I just go out there to play like me." Wow genius. Right. Me and my horn, me and my horn and five people. Hey, how's it going? Still me and my horn. A million people online, still me and my horn. Yeah. Um,
0: I I play in a few regional orchestras and uh, oftentimes, you know, they're guest soloists and I usually go up and introduce myself and chat. I learned a long time ago, stop asking them about, do you get nervous? Mm. Because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what if I just jinxed? what if they're like they never thought about it before then you know and all of a right. sudden i set them up for I mean, like if i have that kind of power right I, that's know.
2: true they're pretty fragile and they haven't <laughs> been thinking very much right
0: but you know <laughs> yeah. i'm thinking but at least i don't want to put the idea in their head you know that's not that's not right. what i want to talk about so i've learned to talk about other things yeah. along the way but uh um yeah you know i i've seen your uh, you're I think you do a summertime well and not this summer, but you've done some summer uh, fearless camps, is that right? yeah
2: every year yeah um,
0: and i've I've tried to sign up unsuccessfully so far and yeah. not because of anything other than uh, the time just hasn't uh, hasn't worked out yet but i yeah i've
2: been I've been noticing too like I just did one a month ago online a four day. Thing. Mm-hmm. It was really great in building an online course as well on the OPT the Opt Collective uh, Online Performance Training.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to do another one on Labor Day, but, but I'm going to probably do quite a few two day ones just because mm-hmm. scheduling is pretty. I always think more is more. And the mm-hmm. experience of doing it. Building tools, sleeping on it, doing it again the next day for others, performing for each other mm-hmm. worked great with Zoom breakout rooms as well. Oh, want cool! Performed for each other and got that experience. Um, but yeah, two-day things are easier to schedule, so I look forward to seeing you at the next one. Ha uh-huh.
0: Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to, to get online. I, I did an interview with Bobby Shue uh, a few weeks ago, uh-huh. and at the end, I said, "Hey, Bobby, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you back uh, after this and set up a lesson with you." And oh, you know, awesome. it's like, huh, you know, right? We finish. Well, I went on. You know, I, I paid for it, and I emailed him back, and I said, hey, I've paid. Can we set up a date? And he's like, you weren't kidding. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm right. not kidding. Yeah. You know, I mean, the opportunity to learn. Yeah. Uh, everybody has something to teach. Right. And if there's a platform like you've got, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. And now, and now I don't have an excuse to not be there. <laughs> it's, it's online, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wanted to mention I had been on Uh, youtube the last couple days just kind of checking out uh empire and and canadian brass performances and you know they're all just so spectacular but um well it was an empire recording and a live uh, with an orchestra and there were a few missed notes it didn't affect anything it didn't affect the player i watched to see if there was a reaction as they missed or chip something the audience, you know, didn't start throwing things. The morale of the group didn't start to disintegrate, you know. And it's like, what do we do to ourselves, right? I mean, they they are they were well, they're professional, right? Obviously, so something happens, you let it go. Maybe Rolf dealt with it, you know, <laughs> after the fact. Right. But I just look at, you know, that's the way it should be. It, what happens? That's live performance, first of all. Anything can happen, and uh, I've seen people miss notes and then just kind of go, you know, laugh it off and go on. And that's what a beautiful thing to witness, to not make what could be perceived as a failure. It's nothing,
2: right?
0: Yeah, great attitude, I think.
2: Right, and that's the thing. I think one of the things about Furrow's performance is learning that meditative state and what the massive difference is. There aren't a lot of differences between practice and performance, but one is no past. My mother who teaches singing says, if you're listening, and the audience is listening then who's singing so if you're on the note you just missed you're in the past and you and that's not something to do in performance it's useful in the practice room you know that's where you're, you can open yourself up to looking back on notes and everything you know mm-hmm. but performance time once you cross that magic line into performance and you practice you can practice it being present okay. on that and and then going you know and i missed notes in all the auditions i won I missed notes and all the other songs I lost too. But. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, uh, what kind of uh, singer is your mom? Opera? A soprano.
2: Yeah, a soprano. Opera,
0: opera soprano. Yeah. Um, so, listening to her, listening to recordings as you're growing up. I mean, so that's where you get the lyricism
2: in your. Mother and your father learning. were opera singing pig farmers. Yeah. And then my <laughs> wife's a, me- a mezzo <laughs> soprano. But yeah, yeah. Surrounded by singing. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I, I, you know, I look at that and I think, well, you know, that's where uh, people like Sergei Nekoraykov uh, was successful, you know, was trained you know, surrounded by violin and and. why I just look at... Okay, so um, I'm going to switch uh, myself. Speaking of Sergei, uh, you know, a trumpet player who has taken some of the horn repertoire. And so my thoughts to him are, about it
2: last summer, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, so uh, um, I love it. You know, because it gives us a chance to delve into some great repertoire. Yeah. You know, you guys have some stuff that hasn't really been accessible to us until yeah. we get the four-valve flugelhorn, yeah. you know. And so what do you think of that? It's great.
2: Oh, it's fantastic. Annie, I was just listening to a 4A cello sonata. and I'm like, I think that could work on horn, you know. Um, right. Yep. All these different. It's fantastic. It's great melodies. And it some work. Most works really well, and especially if is playing. Right. Cool and uh but anything is fair game for anything if someone can enjoy it and and then it's you know there's questions of whether it works well or not and mm-hmm. but go for it go for us that's, that's canadian brass was based on bringing the masterpiece music that just wasn't written for us initially though oh, so right. we find out later that bach had to cut fugue in mind for us he just gave it to the organ first
0: yeah. and see i i flash back to uh well, Chuck probably still introduces that piece, but I, I remember that uh, with the original group, you know, and I think like yellow suits or you know those off-white suits, um, and him introducing that. Uh, oh my goodness, fifty years of Canadian Brass, and I'll edit it this out. That's got to put Chuck in his late mid to late seventies.
2: I think early. I think. Yeah, he had he had eight doctoral degrees by the time he was twenty. so you know what let's talk
0: about him for a second what an amazing person and I would love to meet him at some point and and talk to him I don't know if he's up for doing this sort of thing but um, I just I I love to see that uh, the youth well this is going to sound really bad but to see that I mean it all still works. there's you know generations working together and and it seems like the vibe of the group is as good as it's ever been,
2: yeah, oh yeah,', That's, yeah. and Chuck is crazy young at heart and is on the floor in each performance at some point and jumps up and I couldn't get up as fast as he does. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. But I think, and that's part of it. I don't know what keeps what going. Whether it's all the touring and everything and doing that that keeps him young, or he stays young and is able to do it. It's just it's uh, mm-hmm. it's so impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And mind on what can keep us still ahead and groundbreaking ideas, and he's open to all of our ideas. It's yeah, a really great equation for yeah, longevity right. for sure. Um. So, who's your favorite trumpet player? you've had
0: in Canadian brass? I'm just kidding. I don't want you to answer that. (laughs) Brian Anthony.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, there you
0: go. You can't go wrong with that answer, right? Yeah. No, it's, you know, and it's fun to see uh, as people have come through there. I mean, not just uh, trumpet, but different horn players. And it's just like, you know, the quality of the group has always been there. Um, Always fun to see, always fun to hear. And uh, do you still start every performance with uh, Closer Walk?
2: Every single one, yep. Yeah, yeah, that
0: has to be, right? I mean, yeah, is, tradition.
2: And it's, I was talking about this earlier today too with Brandon on that interview that it, we start from the back of the hall and immediately now the audience doesn't, you know, the expectations have been shifted and, oh, jeez what else don't I know is about to happen tonight? Mm-hmm. Halfway through, we come on stage with our white, you know, the tuxedos and tennis shoes. So it's just, it's really shifting those expectations in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then throughout to get the programs that we do
0: um, well, and, you know, I guess with uh, even people coming in and out of the group, you know, there's fresh ideas, right? Um, is Chris, uh, who, who are the trumpet players at the moment?
2: Caleb Hudson and, oh, Brandon. Right. Right. Caleb and yeah. Brandon.
0: You know what? I, I can't believe we're already in an hour and I, I want to respect your time, but this, yeah. is, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Joining well, me today, there's no us. Yeah, on yeah. everyone, everyone yeah. else. Hi everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you the best. I hope you stay healthy. I hope your family stays healthy through all of this. And uh, yeah, you know, hopefully we'll meet. I know when you're in Bloomington, we're not that far apart. So maybe we'll right. uh, uh, get a chance to meet sometime soon. So yeah, I got to get
2: you your Mr. Big Taco part too. So yeah. yeah. All right, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Take Great. care. Great. Cheers.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me for today's interview with Jeff Nelson. Hope you enjoyed that. Got another terrific interview coming up next week, HFL 87 with Terry Warburton. Just a quick reminder, also, if you would visit Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating and review, I would greatly appreciate that. Also, another shout out to my Patreon patrons and sponsors for this show. I really appreciate everything that you've done for me. Again, if you'd like to find out more about that, you can go to patreon.com. Slash studio HFL. Thanks again for listening to today's show. And here's Aaron Rom to take us out. See you next time.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Tune in next week for another great interview. And one last reminder that you can help support this podcast by becoming a subscriber at Patreon.com/StudioHFL. Your support would be most appreciated. And another special thanks to Messina Covers, the Eastman Music Company, and Pickett Blackburn for their support of this podcast. Thanks again. Now, go practice.